Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 35 of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. My name is Matt, and joining me on today's cast is my one and only co-host, Miss Tiffany B. Hello, ladies. Oh, you had to do both of them, because Dan is gallivanting around Europe without us. (laughs) What's up with that? He's a globetrotter. I don't even have a good, like, oh, you know, life is hard, and sometimes schedules don't match up. This is just Dan decided to go be European for two weeks. Well, his wife and kid were there. It's reasonable. Don't kinda. make excuses for him, Tiff. All right. He left I, us I don't leave Ohio, so I, I'm jealous. <laughs> well, nonetheless, we have a good show lined up. Just a reminder to everyone that if you ever want to reach out to us, you can do so by searching for the League of Nonsensical Gamers on Facebook. You can shoot us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. You can join us at the BGG Guild number 2077 or go to guild.nonsensicalgamers.com. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Google+, wherever fine podcasts are found on the internet. Today's show is going to be a good one, like I said. We've got some cool segments, including our December Top of the Stack. And we are going to do our holiday gift guide, just like we did last year, another annual segment we're bringing back. But before we get into any of that, we are going to chat a little bit about what we've been playing. And Tiff, how's that been going for you? Um, since I have returned from BGGCon, not so great. We have the holidays in there, and my family doesn't really... Do board games, I mean, I feel like we could, but it never seems like there's a good moment to bring up, like, hey guys, let's set this timeline up and see how that goes. Just put it out there, Tiff. I want to do it. It just, we'll see. I'm hosting Christmas this year, so it might be a little, might be a little different that way, because my home is designed for board game playing, whereas my, my husband's grandma's not so much. Instead of setting up, like, dinner plates and table settings, just put games out. Here's your tableau. Yeah. You don't get to eat until you play this game. <laughs> you got to win to eat. I, I would like to do that. And yeah, it'll be good because my brother's new girlfriend is coming, so she'll just hop right into the crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I have played a game. One of the games I played at BGG Con Grand Austria Hotel, I liked enough to buy, so I bought that. I was really excited about buying it. It is a Euro game about you you own a little hotel and you're attracting guests and you have a little cafe so you're giving them coffee and wine and strudel and cake like you do (laughs) (laughs) and and, uh it's just it's kind of a neat game here's how it works at the beginning you roll this pile of dice and those kind of determine the actions that are available for the round so different actions have different pip numbers and there are ways to sort of mitigate bad rolls and we had a bunch of them when we played at bgg con so uh that's important the turn order is like a snaking turn order so if you go first then you'll go last and in one round you get to choose two of the actions so you might choose to make some wine and you might hire some staff and then at the end of your two actions you get to take a guest if you have room for them in your cafe And when they're in your cafe, they have a certain requirement of the food stuff. And once you can fulfill that, they can go into your hotel. And you have to have an open room that matches the... There are different colors. There's blue, red, yellow. And they have to go into a room that will match. And then once they go in there, it's good. And there are ways to score points by filling up rows in your hotel or doing certain things at the end. There's a bunch more to it. But that's the gist of it. I really like it. The only complaint I have about it, probably, is the snaking turn order can feel 
like forever in between turns the downtime yeah and because the game state is changing so much between if you're that first player and then you're going last you can't sit there and plan the whole time because as you go you know maybe that customer that you were hoping to grab gets taken three turns before it's your turn again is the downtime of the individual actions like is that still quick if i go first and then my next action isn't going to be until the very end of everyone else taking their actions are those individual actions still pretty quick so although i'm waiting a little while like things are still happening frequently or is it just you're watching some guy stare at a board for 10 minutes it kind of depends on the players okay. if you're playing with me it might take a while um <laughs> i still feel really <laughs> guilty about the game i played at bgg con because there was just a point where i was like i know i can do what i want to do i just don't know how to do it and i'm gonna stare at this board until i figure it out i don't care what happens to the rest of you and that's kind of terrible but uh it took forever, and so you can, if you're playing with AP players like myself, it can be a pro- <laughs> it can be a real problem. <laughs> the whole first part of the game, I was worried about AP, and I was like, oh no, you know, we played with Matt Wolf and his wife Marcy, uh, who is delightful, and she was like, this is kind of involved and and unforgiving, and I was really nervous about taking actions quickly as I am prone to AP, but I felt like it went really fast at first, but then like any Euro game, kind of. Towards the end, you start min-maxing, and yeah, that's where yeah. that's where I got in trouble. I'm like, I just need to be able to do this one thing, otherwise I'm going to lose. Luckily, it worked out, and I did win, so it was worth it. And nobody else liked the game because they had to watch you think? Probably. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Dan, Dan seemed to say that he didn't hate it. Which is big praise. Yeah. Yeah. So... It, it's it's probably a good game. Like I said, I like it. I the, bought it. The theme it sounds again. perfect for you. It is. It it's, really does sound like something that you would enjoy. I love the era, and, and it has Clemens Franz art, oh, which I nice. really like. Nice. So it's a perfect one for me. All I can think about is Grand Budapest Hotel every time I think about that game. That's what I think about, too, and I love that movie. Is the whole like game pink? No, no. it's not pink. It's pretty like orangey. Mm, not as good. Well, I've been playing a bunch of stuff, and I'm trying to decide which one to talk about because I have one that might interest you, I have one that might interest you less, and then I have one that I know won't interest you. Here, name the titles, and I'll tell you what I want you to talk about. Spin the wheel, Matt. So some of the games I've been playing, I've been playing Sigil, I played the Kraken expansion of Abyss, I played some Bottom of the Ninth, and I played the new Warhammer Quest card game. (laughs) I think you can tell which is which. So. Warhammer Quest, the card game. Tell me more about that. I can't. No, tell not really. I want to hear about. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because uh, so I periscoped our eggnog making last night. Okay, I thought I saw that on the internet, <laughs> and Ben said, "What is going on? Why is Tiff periscoping eggnog?" I don't know. We had some people watch. It was the first time I ever periscoped. Did you have like board game people? Yeah. Like this isn't a board game about eggnog. What's going on? Steve Avery was on there yelling shots the whole time, <laughs> but they were they were talking about the Warhammer Quest card game. Oh, really? And I think they liked it. So you should probably talk about it for the for the betterment of our listeners. All right. So I will. It's not talk all about, about it. me. <laughs> well, you're the one who has to listen to it first. I so can tune you out. It's fine. You go ahead and do that, and I'll chat to the little people inside the computer now. Uh, so this is a re-implementation of the old Warhammer Quest um, property into an adventure-style card game now. It's by Brady Sadler and Adam Sadler, and it plays one to four players. 
So those are the details. It plays one to four players. You can play it solo if you want. So we played this me, Kel, and Ben. I picked this up because it's 40 bucks, and that's a pretty good price, and I've heard some good things about it. Um, in particular, Joel Eddy played it and said he liked it way better than Runebound, which I had also just picked up. So I was like, okay, let's see if Joel Eddy's crazy or not. Uh, he's not crazy, it turns out. Although he doesn't like time stories, so he might still be crazy. But, Ooh, I kind of yeah. want to find out about that. Yeah, uh, he's got a video up where he blacklists some more games. Nice. And uh, time stories is on there. But Warhammer Quest is not, which is a good thing. So essentially what you're doing is this actually feels a lot like a mix between like the Lord of the Rings LCG, which I don't know if you've ever played, and maybe something like Pathfinder Adventure Card Game, which was a big hit a couple years ago at Gen Con. Essentially, you're a cooperative party of, you know, fantasy style adventures. There's, you know, an enemy deck. There's a location deck where you're traveling and you've got a goal. So our goal for the first mission was to find this location, investigate it, and kill this crazy goblin who wanted to kill us first. So it's pretty standard fare in terms of the theme. I don't have any attachment or, you know, allegiance to Warhammer, so it doesn't really do anything for me, but I don't mind it. It's a fine fantasy setting. What I did like was I liked the cooperative gameplay. So as a fan of co-ops and ever since we started the pandemic game, I've really been looking for good games that we can kind of play as a group and that maybe we can play campaign style over a couple of different nights. And I think this is going to fit the bill. The game comes with a quest line that is five distinct pieces. So we played the first part of that quest line. And essentially what you have is you've got four action cards in front of you. You have an attack, an aid, a rest, and an explore. And each one of those lets you do something, lets you hit an enemy, lets you explore a location, lets you rest and get all your actions back kind of thing. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to coordinate with your teammates to use the actions appropriately to take care of enemies to explore locations but it's really restrictive because once you use an action you can't use it again until you rest so at times players are spending their whole turn just to reset and you've got to balance you know when that's appropriate to do so it's pretty simplistic you know we picked up on it pretty quick but it seems to have a nice chunky campaign style advancement phase where you can improve your character you can upgrade you can get new loot and things like that so it sounds very familiar to a lot of other games on the market but it's pretty nice in this kind of self-contained package it's not as big as pathfinder adventure card game which was you know 60 bucks and you need to keep buying all these extra things and it's got 600 cards in it this is a pretty nice small package that still provides a really engaging experience so we both liked it or all three of us liked it, I should say. Uh, but we'll see where it goes. You know, we, there's only one quest out now. So if we finish that, I don't know where that leaves us um, in terms of expansions. But I don't know if this is your style of game, though, Tiff. I don't know. It doesn't sound awful to me. And it's been a long time since I played anything that's like that fantasy themed anything. Yeah. I did play Pathfinder. Okay. I, I thought it was okay. But. I wanted it to be more thematic than it was. It kind of just felt like I'm going to this card and doing this thing. Now I'm going to go to this card and do this thing. Yeah. Does this feel, I mean, do you get into it? Get, we, get into it? We got into it a little bit. Now we played late. So, and the game, it is easy, but it's it's a hard game. Like the, It's tough. So we focused a lot mechanically on just how to do well. Um, but it's got a lot of background information. All the cards have flavor text and things. So I think that 
if it wasn't one in the morning when we had played, we probably would have read a little bit more. We probably would have gotten into it a little bit more because we have a good group for that. You know, Kel and Ben and I are, are happy to kind of engage in the, the role play a little bit. I do think that this is much better than Pathfinder because Pathfinder, like you said, it was okay, but it felt a lot of like, I move here, I roll some dice, I move here, I roll some dice. This is really, you're not moving anywhere per se. You're all in the same location, and it's really just about looking at everyone's skills and talents and saying, okay, how do we handle this with our unique group? And it's very cooperative, and it it does have a little bit of dice rolling, but I didn't find that to get in the way at all. I didn't have any problems where, you know, the game was screwed up because we rolled poorly or anything like that. So it just feels tighter, and it feels like it's a it's a lot more streamlined than something like Pathfinder Adventure Card Game, which is super clunky, um, trying to set up the deck and try to, you know, find these cards and, you know, oh, I've seen this same troll for the fifth time, you know, in this <laughs> deck, and I keep getting killed kind of thing. So I think that it has taken a lot of input from the market and seen what works and what doesn't, and they've kind of come out with this really nice small box package. So I, I dig it. And it's probably a game that if I can get everyone to stay on board, I'd easily pick up the expansions and kind of keep playing through. But you might dig it. In which case, I might try it. I kind of miss thematic games. I've been very out of that for a a while now. And I kind of, I don't have time, (laughs) but uh, to do a campaign kind of thing. And that's part of it. Yeah. But it sounds interesting. Plays in an hour and a half. I think you can get it for like 25, 27 bucks online. So it's not a big money sink. And it's it prov- it provides a good challenge. It's not just, you know, Arkham Horror where it's all about <laughs> telling the story and then you get boned by the dice. It's It really is, you know, a good, it's not a Euro style puzzle, but it's a nice, you know, thematic card game puzzle. So Well, maybe I won't dismiss this offhand just because it's Warhammer. <laughs> I'm glad you talked about it. You're so much more pliable when Dan's not here. I can talk about all be. kinds of things. <laughs> well, it's it's because like he would just jump in here and be like, "It sucks. I'm done." Yeah, yeah. And for him, it probably does suck. Yeah, know? probably. I don't think this is Dan's game. I don't think I could sell him on it. But you know, he'll play anything once too. And and I will say, I won't play anything once. I've learned that that is a terrible way to go because <laughs> you will end up playing some really terrible games with that policy. Well, we might be able to finagle this. Through the okay. interwebs sometime. Oh. We'll oh, see. Well, then I'm interested. We'll talk about it. All right, all right. Did you get anything else to the table recently? No, but I think we should talk about Antarctica. We kind of mentioned it at the end of some yeah. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and it's one that I kind of wanted to talk about. We just kind of sort of ran out of time. Antarctica, I was really interested in. It was one of my top Essen things that I wanted to play because it's kind of a shorter, short-ish, 45 to 90 minutes, sort of Euro-y area control kind of a thing. But what I didn't realize when I, and I didn't research very thoroughly, it just looked interesting, is that it's very abstract. Mm -hmm. Um, Super abstract. 
the way it kind of works is you have all these different areas and you have your ships out there are your workers that you're moving. And then the sun goes around to these different areas. And when it lands on a space that you're the first ship in line, you get to take that ship and move it to another um, area and take an action there. And then the sun just keeps on moving and whoever the first ship is in line. So uh, your turn order is another one of those kind of weird, it, you know, you're not going to necessarily take a turn every couple of turns. You, it might be a while. It's weird because I feel like I've been playing a lot of games that are like that recently yeah. and I don't like it. <laughs> this one's a little bit better because you can play, like Grand Austria is hard because things change so much. Antarctica, you can kind of plan in advance. So I didn't find it as challenging that way. Yeah. The thing that's weird about it is the scoring. Uh, and it makes the game, the, the word that everybody has been using, I think Matt Wolf said it first, was that it's opaque. It's mm -hmm. really hard as you're playing the game to know how exactly well you're doing. There are things you can do. Um, like I said, there's kind of an area control aspect to it. Yeah. So at the end of the game, you'll look at each of the little sections and you'll look at how many elements are in there. You're building different things, but the theme is just completely pasted on, so don't even worry about what they are. You're building stuff. It goes in there. <laughs> And you're putting scientists in there. So you'll look at what the most is. And the player who has the majority gets that many points. So if there are 11 things in there, they'll get 11 points. And then the second most. So if I have the most and Dan has the second most, if I have four scientists in there, Dan will get four points. So he'll just get whatever I have in there that's my personal scientists and and not everything that's in there. And it goes on, you know, every player gets points based on the player before them. Okay. Is this making sense? It's kind yeah, of hard to yeah, explain. Yeah, yeah, So it's you score basically what whoever's in front of you. Yeah, yeah. And there are research tracks that work much the same way. As you're upping your tracks, you go forward and you get bonuses as you go along them. But there are different point thresholds that you pass. And whoever's in front gets all of those point thresholds added up into one big giant ball of points. And then again, the person who's in second gets what the player in front of them, the first player gets, and the player who's in third gets what the second person has passed. So it's kind of just like a weird way of scoring. I don't know if like multiple plays would make it easier to figure out. I know when we played, for me, the area control piece of it made more sense in my brain when we were learning the rules. This is probably the only game at BGGCon when someone was explaining the rules, I was like, I don't think I know how to play this game. Really? So uh, the area control part made sense to me, and I focused on that, whereas the tracks for Dan made more sense, and he focused on that. So I think you have to focus on both, but it's just kind of a, it's, it's a quirky game for sure. I don't know what to make of it. I really just want to talk to Charles Chevalier and figure out where this came from. How did this start? Because uh, it's just, it's weird. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. This was one that Dan, we had originally, he was placing an order and said, oh, do you want me to throw Antarctica in there? I said, I'll just wait for the regular release and get it from our game store or something like that. And then he texted me at BGGCon. He said, Antarctica is a pass. He said, just yeah. don't, you know, it's not great. And it sounds like it's because of this kind of weird experience with trying to track the scoring. Is the game, the gameplay itself okay without the scoring piece? Like, how did that feel? 
I guess I just expected it to be a tad bit more thematic. I mean, this is a very kind of unused theme, the sort of global warming, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And the sun part is really cool. And I like how you take the actions. I like how that works, even though the downtime can be a little much. I didn't have as much trouble maneuvering my ships in places where I could keep taking actions over and over. But uh, it could be really annoying if you had to wait a long time every time. I wasn't disengaged while I was playing it. I found it to be an interesting sort of puzzly kind of thing to figure out. And I'm glad that I played it. I might even play it again, but I don't think I would buy it. Okay. And I mean, that says a lot coming from both of you because you tend to be a little softer in terms (laughs) of, you know, you'll buy some things even though the first experience wasn't perfect kind of thing. I know I'm the Paula Abdul of our podcast. No, 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 no. What's in that cup, Tiff? This is coffee. Oh, it's not liquid cocaine. It's not Irish coffee. Um, no, I do. I still want to play this. So I'm not discouraged to try it. In fact, I'm interested to see what exactly the scoring mechanism looks like on the table because you explain it and it doesn't sound too, it sounds different, but not too difficult. But yeah. I do want to see how it feels to be playing this game and trying to simultaneously track what is going on because it sounds like that in vivo, it's it's a lot tougher than just kind of explaining it. Now that I've played it, I think it would be less tricky to figure out. It's just, Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, a lot of games, the theme helps marry together the mechanics and makes it more intuitive to play. This is unintuitive. So those types of games are really hard for me, especially at a con situation, because I'm pretty easily distracted. I'll just admit that. (laughs) I'm just looking all over the place. I feel bad for anyone that teaches me rules at cons. I really do. I apologize to all of you. Just staring off into space. (laughs) I, I have troubles. I'm not going to lie. But I, I think maybe I like if you wanted to play this and we're in Ohio, I would totally play it with you. I think Aww, the I'm second sad. time, <laughs> I think the second time around, it would be much smoother and I would have yeah. a better idea of what the heck I was trying to do. It was more like a learning game where I was trying to figure out, OK, what do I do? I have to build I have to go here and take this card to build this building. And then I'm trying to get majorities. And there are different kinds of buildings that you're building that that open up different actions in the region. So it just it didn't make sense to me at first. And that was a problem. Well, and that's kind of what I want to know is that a game like this that bucks the trend and that isn't intuitive is that problematic because the game itself, you know, has issues or is it just because we need to push through our, you know, preconceived notions of how scoring works and how games kind of play out and maybe if we can shake those off a little bit, maybe it'll get better or maybe it'll just be terrible anyway. You know, well, that's what I'm interested in. We complain about games being samey and, you know, Yeah. This is just a vanilla worker placement. I wouldn't say this is definitely not a vanilla thing. So if you're looking for something that is very different scoring wise and just generally different, this is a good one. If you are sick of worker placement games, this might be one to look at. Well, cool. I'm still excited to check it out, but maybe we hold off before we buy. Well, I'm going to throw something out there quick and then I want to, I got to talk about Abyss Crack and Tiff, but did you ever get your bottom of the ninth? I did. Have you played it yet? I have not. Oh, it looks gorgeous. It's it I've, it's out of the box now and uh, some really nice cards in there. Yeah, I am super impressed about how or super impressed with how they put this whole thing together. I mean, it looks awesome. The cards, the foil packages that the expansions come in, the box itself, all the tokens, everything looks really good in bottom of the ninth. And if you like 
tiny little filler games, um, particularly about baseball. Uh, I can't think of a better one. Um, Kel had some trouble getting over the baseball theme because she's just not a baseball person, but she was okay with the game after we played it for a little while. It was just tough to get through because she didn't quite understand you know, how baseball works. <laughs> she knows how sure. baseball works, but it was just, it, it didn't translate perfectly. So once we got through the growing pains, it was a little bit smoother, but I just, I thought bottom of the ninth looked great, but even better is Abyss Kraken Tiff. <laughs> I've been waiting for this day for so long. I didn't get to play it when they had it at Gen Con, so tell me all about it. It is surprisingly, I don't use the word meaty often, but like this is a chunky little expansion. It comes in the the standard Asmodee expansion box that like the Five Tribes expansion comes in, the Camel Up expansion. So it's that long, narrow box. Um, it's got some cards in it and it's got some pearls in it and all kinds of stuff. So basically, without being too drawn out, the whole expansion revolves around, they call them nebulous. It's black pearls or dirty money. And the game introduces some exploration cards that give you them, some lured cards that let you give them out and deal with them accordingly, um, and a new locations that handle and all revolve around this this black pearl dirty money stuff. And basically what it is is similar to corruption in Lords of Waterdeep expansion. It is they're bad for you. So at the end of the game you're gonna lose points if you have black pearls. If you have the most black pearls, you're gonna lose an extra five points. Oof. The thing is is that you can only spend black pearls if you've spent all of your regular pearls. And you can only spend one at a time. What we found was this was only one play but it really changes the economy of the game. Before, I gravitated towards the green lords because they give you pearls, and pearls can be used to supplement buying lords and all kinds of stuff, and it was great to have money. The problem is is that if you have a lot of money with the expansion and somebody starts giving you black pearls, you can't get rid of them until you spend all the money you have. So if you have big stacks of pearls, essentially these negative points are like, they're covered by your regular money. So all of a sudden we're like spending pearls like crazy. We're giving them away. We're spending two pearls on junk cards in the exploration track just <laughs> to get rid of them so that we can give away these black pearls. And I was surprised by how simplistic the, me the mechanism is, but how much it, it changed fundamentally the economy of the game. And it, it wasn't good to have money, basically. You didn't want to stockpile money because then you were potentially at risk for just bad points all around. So I thought it was really cool. The new lords interact well. The new locations are interesting. So is this a must-have expansion? If you feel like the base game needs a little something more, this is a must-have expansion. Okay. So someone like Dan wasn't a big fan of Abyss base game. He thought it was okay, but that it not a lot going on. It really transforms the game with this expansion. If you're okay with Abyss, then this is something cool to try out, but not something that you need to play with every time. Um, I definitely, if you're teaching a new person, you don't want this expansion in there because it just throws a wrench in everything. <laughs> uh, we were going to teach it to my mom, and I thought we'd have to pull that expansion back out because I just don't think that there's enough to teach in that game and little finer points without having to say like, oh, yeah, these black pearls do this and these exploration cards do this. But I think that if you like Abyss, this is a go-to. I, I bought it day one. And I'm happy that I got to play it so quickly. Um, I thought it was great. I really liked it. Well, that's good. Are you always going to play with this expansion now? As long as I'm not teaching anybody new, then yes, I'll play with this. Okay. Um, yeah. If there's someone who's less experienced with Abyss, maybe take it out. 
or if for some reason it sits on the shelf for a year, maybe play a regular game first to, to get our bearings. But yeah, I don't see any reason if you like Abyss and if you know how to play it to, to not play with this one. It's a, it's a tough challenge to have this in there. So I really like how difficult it makes the game. That's good to hear. I liked Abyss. I'm not one of those people that thought it was overly hyped or whatever. I know it got a lot of attention because of the artwork, but I do yeah. think it's a good game. I could play this expansion. It sounds like it's not that hard to add in, but really changes the game. And that sounds good. All right. So let's go ahead and end what we've been playing there. And let's shift into top of the stack before we take a break for the gift guide. So top of the stack for November, Tiff. How did you do? Not so hot. (laughs) But that's kind of my track record. I did. I've had my village on there and I played that. Loved it. I had Roll for the Galaxy Ambition, which I still haven't played. I was so close. Uh, Me and Kopak both brought it to Panericon. (laughs) Why didn't you play it? That's a sign. It's just, it's funny how fast one day of gaming goes by. And especially if you're playing heavier weight games, like you might only get in four games. And we just didn't get to it. And I think our thinking was, well, we could play this online. All these other games, we wouldn't be able to. That's fair. I haven't played it online either, so uh, yeah, that makes me sad. The other thing that I had on there is Champions of Midgard, which I really want to play and is still unplayed. I have read the rules several times. I have read the rules and am prepared to teach it. (laughs) So uh, it's just not getting played, but I'm determined. I'm keeping it. I really want to hear about it. It sounds so cool. Like the concept of it and the the euro with the theme appeals to me. I just want I want to know before I jump in on it. Me and my husband have been catching up on Vikings. Oh yeah. Which I love. And I was hoping that by watching that I could convince him to play this game with me yesterday. It didn't happen. But It didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I'm keeping it on my top of the stack for December. Okay. Uh I'm so close. I live <laughs> It's going to get played. Yeah. So, uh, weirdly enough, I kind of want to have four things. I know that that's risky and stupid, but I I applaud the bold choice. I might have more time because I'll have a little Christmas break action in there. And I need you to help me out with this role for the Galaxy Ambition thing. I really want to play it. Oh, I mean, yeah, we can crank that out. Let's do that. So, I'm keeping that on and I'm keeping Champions of Midgard. I recently picked up a new card game called Pie Mall Flaumann. <laughs> sure you did. It, <laughs> that sounds right. It came out at Essen, and I just kind of saw it on Board Game Bliss, and, and it's a little kind of trick-taking game, kind of set collection-y trick-taking game. It's from Matthias Kramer and put out by Pegasus Spiele, so it's probably good. Yeah, they, yeah. they have a pretty good track record. So I want to get that played. It's a quick 30 to 40 minutes. So I don't see it being too much of a problem. I've already read the rules. So hey, okay. that might happen. And then the one, the one that's going to be harder to play, but I really want to play is Far Space Boundary. Oh, yeah. I, I backed it on Kickstarter and I just opened it up out of the shipping box and it looked interesting to me then and still does now. Yeah, Steve got that. And we just took pictures of it for a potential review coming up. And I really liked the look of it. I thought it was way cool. I was going to say, I think they did a nice job with the art and the graphic design and the way it all came together components-wise. Yeah, I've heard mixed things. I've heard, I haven't heard anything bad about it, but I've heard 
like middling reviews in terms of the the gameplay like Tom Vassell wasn't a big fan but I heard some other guys were a big fan so I'm interested to see where it actually falls for our group and for you yeah so. Tom Vassell disapproval is not necessarily a thing that oh, uh, no. matters <laughs> in no. my assessment of a game I rarely line up with that guy so then you're probably golden it'll probably be okay probably we'll see <laughs> Well, that's cool. So four games, but one of them you're relying on me for. Yeah, I need I need some help. I don't like being held responsible for your top of the stack. <laughs> well, too bad. Yeah, but it that's could be life. your Christmas present to me is helping me get one off my top of the stack. <laughs> that's all I want for Christmas. Just help me finish this artificial thing we've created. <laughs> yes. Well. I'm, I'm happy to do that because I do like Roll for the Galaxy Ambition. That was actually on my top of the stack, and I got it played just the once, though, so I do want to keep playing it. Uh, I got Above and Below played. I need to play that some more because that was mixed reviews. I got to stop playing games at 1 a.m. It's really weird. <laughs> I, th- I think you'll find overall that it's pretty good. I think it's yeah. one of Ryan Lockett's better games. It seems like it, and I maybe I just shouldn't play games with Dan at 1 a.m. Oh, no, never know. do that. Yeah. He was not a fan, but I wasn't expecting him to be a fan, so it's okay. Uh, The last one, so you're depending on me for Roll for the Galaxy. I am no longer going to depend on other people because it's nothing against Dan, but I have no control over whether or not I got to play Food Chain Magnet, and I didn't because Dan owns it. I didn't have a chance to even try to play it, so I kind of screwed myself on that one. So no more games that I don't own (laughs) or anything like that because I ruined my top of the stack. Listen, you might be happy about this because I talked to a good amount of people at BGGCon about uh, that game, and a lot of them were saying terrible things about it. Really? Yeah, like just that it was really unforgiving and that you could tell within like a couple of turns that there was no way that you were going to win, but you still had to play for two more hours just knowing that there's nothing you can do about your situation. I heard more than one person say that. Dan was lined up to play it, and then it fell through, so... Hmm. I don't know, but I heard three people say something akin to that. Yeah, yeah. And these are people who, who I typically trust. would have liked it. Yeah, who yeah. you trust. I don't think anyone sits down to play that Food Chain Magnite that isn't the kind of person that would like that. Yeah. Well, it's no longer on my top of the stack. <laughs> Take it off. Uh, not because I don't want I mean, I still want to play it, but I, again, I'm only putting on games that I like. I've got Roombound 3rd Edition on there because I picked that up. That's an adventure-style game, Tyranoth Roombound World from FFG. We'll see if it's better than Warhammer Quest, like Joel Addy says. Or no, that if it's... Worse. He says Warhammer Quest is better, yeah. Uh, I got Fire and Axe. I got the new edition, which this one is actually one that piqued Dan's interest, so maybe I can get him kind of roped into it. This is Viking-themed, which is the yeah. new hotness in themes. Uh, some area control, pick up and deliver kind of stuff. I've read the rules. I want to play it. It just, the situation hasn't quite presented itself. I have the old version of that one. Have you played it? No. Oh, Tiff. I really wanted to. It's just, it's. I've had it forever and it's just been sitting on my shelf. Yeah. It was a trophy game. It it felt kind of like that when I picked it up. I was like, this is a really cool game. I'm happy to just have this. But yeah. I'd like to play it too. Uh, and then the last one is Antique Duelum. Duelum. This is a Mac Gertz game. It's two player. It's got a Rondell action selection. Uh, one that Dan had an interest in that piqued my interest, so I picked it up because I think it's light enough to get Kel to play, but Dan was also 
interested, so I think I can get him to play it too. Um, it's basically resource collection, like it's not civ building, it's like location building. So pretty nice looking little two-player game. Uh, so that's my top of the stack. Hopefully I can get that going. Now the cool thing is, Tiff, is that Dan is not here. <laughs> so we have the rare opportunity to have wow. some influence over his top of the stack. Uh, hopefully Mike, who compiles the top of the stack, will honor our, our judgment here. So Dan's top of the stack for November was My Village, which I know he got to play. Yes. He had Palaces of Carrera, which he also got to play. And then Food Chain Magnate, which he didn't get to play. So he did as well as the rest of us. The question is, what do we put on his December top of the stack, Tiff? Hmm, all Richard Lanius games, I think. That's my vote. Yeah, but not Run, Fight, or Die, because he's okay with that one. Well, we might want to give him at least one that he doesn't hate. Nah. I don't I don't think so. <laughs> all right. I mean, Euphoria's got to go on there, right? He'll never do this, though. Like, we got to pick ones within reason. Like, I would oh. love to just make it Arkham Horror and uh, just anything that he would hate, but we got to give him some kind of fighting chance, right? I guess. If this was just me on this cast, things would go the opposite way. <laughs> well, what would you pick? I think I'd just pick Euphoria three times. He just has to play it three times in December. Has Dan played Legendary Encounters? He has not. I want to put that on his top of the stack. I'm okay with that. He might not hate it. Yeah. He liked Legendary enough. And this See? is clearly the better game. But he likes Predator. That's the problem. He doesn't like Alien. <sighs> There's something wrong with that boy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> All right, but we'll put it on there and see if maybe he can be lured into something co-op-y. Legendary Encounters Alien. Yes. Um, you know, I wouldn't mind if he if he would play some Tigers and Euphrates with me. Okay. Which is Euro E tile placement. You think he that would like it? That seems fair. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to add that. Mm. Go ahead. Pick one for yourself. One that you would just love to see Dan have to try to play. It's hard. It's hard thinking about it at, at a distance. The beauty of it is that Dan loves a challenge. And he would <laughs> gladly play these games just to rub it in our faces. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> um. Oh, gosh. This is hard. I really... I want to pick something that is going to be a challenge for him, but... I'm trying to think of something really fun that he would never play in a million years, <laughs> which is a lot of games. All the times we tease him about not being fun. Mm. You just make him play code names for the 107th time. <laughs> he likes code names, though. It wouldn't be that. I mean, he's tired of it, but he likes it. Um, Jeez, I don't know. Has he played the role for the Galaxy expansion? He has not. Well, that sounds good to me, then. Let's make him play that. Maybe we should all play online. That would be even better. That we'll would just be pitch it as he's doing it for true. you. <laughs> you think that'll work? A boy can dream. I think that's that's not the worst top of the stack that we could make Dan have. So he should appreciate this. We did him a favor. So the challenge is set. Legendary Encounters, Tigris and Euphrates, Roll for the Galaxy Ambition. Let's see how you do, Dan. Don't let the listeners down, you know? <laughs> I'm talking really, to him like he listens to the show. He might listen to it. If he's not on it, it would probably be like more interesting, right, to listen to. He just knows we're going to make fun of him the whole time. I think I really like this picking the other person's top of the stack thing. You posed an interesting idea about if you can complete your own top of the stack, you get to pick a game for someone else, right? Yeah, that's what I want to do. Do you think that we're mature adults enough to pick <laughs> other people's top of the stack completely? Hey, I don't know about completely. I mean, we just did that, but 
maybe just see how pick, that turned out. Maybe just as an incentive, if you complete your whole entire top of stack, which none of us have done. Nope. So it's hard to do, it. which means we need some incentives. Yeah. Uh, you, you just get to pick one. You have to choose. Like if I complete my four game top of the stack, I get to pick one game for either you or Dan. I have to choose. I like this. I'm willing to give this a try. And since Dan's not here to vote, I will vote for him. He likes it too. <laughs> it's unanimous, which is how we, we solve all problems with unanimous <laughs> vote here on the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. Yep, that's what I we're going to do. <laughs> all right. Well, on that note, I'm so excited now. Uh, I'm going to put euphoria on everyone's top of the stack. Uh, I'd be okay are... with that. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and take a break, and when we come back, we are going to do our holiday buying guide for 2015. So join us for that. All right, everybody, welcome back. Thank you for joining us. It is time to get into our holiday buying guide for 2015. It is officially the holiday season. We just had Black Friday, and we're going into a wealth of different holidays here in December and January. So it's time to start thinking about what to give your gamer and non-gamer friends, which is just the best gift is games, right? That's all I really want. That's what I want, too. Well, that and maybe some, like, camera lenses and well, yeah. audio equipment. Okay, I, I want a lot more than games. Yeah, well, <laughs> I wrote on my Christmas list that my mom makes me do every year. I wrote, yes, I am an adult, even though there's pop figures and board games all over this. I, I apologize. <laughs> Here's something right. that I actually need. What What is your number one top pop figure on your list? What are you looking for these days? I'm trying to get the Monty Python collection right now. I held off on buying them so that, you know, people would have something to get me. Uh, I've gotten so many pops at this point that it's actually dangerous to put those on a list for gifts because people have no idea what I own now. I'm chasing a lot of variants and a lot of i'm doing a lot of collecting like deep nerd Funko i was gonna Pop collecting i was gonna say you sound like me and board games that's how <laughs> everyone feels about buying me board games it's a very risky proposition yeah a year ago it was safe you could get me whoever and i'd be happy but now i'm very i've got them all i've got all the, the regular ones so. all i have are the ghostbusters ones well I, you don't I, go any further Tiff. i had to stop myself because i saw what happened with you <laughs> I'm like, I'm, if this sensible young man could go into the depths of collecty craziness, then what is going to happen when I start doing this? Now, I had all these pop these pops before Kel said yes to marrying me. So I want everyone to know that whenever inevitably we're buried under mountains of pops that she knew this was happening. Bless her heart. All right. So... The other end of things that I have way too many of, board games, let's talk about some good ones to get for other people. So our first category today is our filler and stocking stuffer games. So great little games that we can fit inside a stocking or pack under the tree that are nice and compact. So what are you thinking for stocking stuffer, Tiff? This is one of my easier ones. Um, I think everyone should own Batman Love Letter. I was thinking about that. Everyone should. It's the best love letter by yeah. far. And uh, who doesn't like Batman? Even non-comic booky people love Batman. So yeah. buy that and pick up Tides of Time. 
Oh, yeah, I didn't think about that one. That is a good one. It's super cheap, and it's a drafting game for two players, so it's kind of unique, and the artwork is beautiful, and yeah. bam. And it's super easy. Yeah. That's a good pick. What do you got? So my first one that I was thinking, which came to me really quickly, was Welcome to the Dungeon. Oh, yeah. Talk about an awesome little filler game. Super quirky, great components with the spot-glossed tiles and things like that. Uh, fun little bluffing game that we've even had success two players, even though it's not... It's not really a great two-player game, but it's not bad. So that was an instant. And then the other one that I thought a little bit about, I'm a little shaky on this one. I put Arboretum, which I feel like, although it's compact, that game blows my mind. And I feel like it might be a little bit too much for like a filling. I'm starting to warm back up to trying that game again. I think that's like a good filler for your already board gamey friends. Yeah, yeah. Like, don't buy that for non board gamey friends. But yeah, I was I was nervous about putting it on the list because I'm like, this game drives me insane. I'm so <laughs> bad at it. Yeah, it can be frustrating, but I don't know, not necessarily in the worst way. No, and the art's beautiful. Yes. Trees. Who thought trees could look so good? It really is a good looking game. So. so. I think that's a solid pick. So the next one I put on here specifically because I'm about to be in Secret Santa season and I would love to get whoever I get a game without it being super over the top, you know, not an Arboretum or anything like that. So Secret Santa games for your coworkers, for a non-gamer. What are you thinking, Tiff? I need some suggestions. I This one was hard for me. I had a hard time just thinking of like what would appeal to just about anyone kind of a game. Yeah. And I think Abraca What is a great game for this. That's not a bad choice, yeah. I don't think I've taught this to anyone um, that hasn't enjoyed it just because it's interesting. And yeah. like kids in my board game club are almost non-gamer. Like the way you would think of, mm -hmm. yeah, they play games now, but they have no idea what's out there game-wise. Yeah. And sometimes it takes a lot to hook them into something. And this is one that unequivocally goes over well. So I think Abrica What is what I would get for a non-gamer. I like that suggestion. Also bottom one. of the ninth, if you have baseball friends. Cause I oh, think that's it's, a good point too. I think it's a good uh, distillation of baseball in a game. Yeah. I didn't even think about that one. I just played it. We just talked about it. <laughs> what am I doing? All right. So the the only game that I could think of, I was trying to toe the line between maybe some games that a non-gamer will be familiar with and something that's a little bit more gamey. So I went with Letter Tycoon. Hmm. It's a word game. It, everyone knows how to spell <laughs> relatively. Um, and the only real gamey piece of it is buying those little investment cards that get you money. Hmm. It might be a little too much, but I was thinking along the lines of like a Bananagrams or maybe Kerflip. I think I just had a, I think I just thought of one on the spot. Kerflip might be a better word game word games. for a non-gamer. I was thinking word games though. Sure. I don't know. I don't like I also work games. at a school, so it seemed to fit. Okay. Yeah. No, I, th <laughs> <laughs> I think that would work. I, I, you know, people like word games, right? I mean, yeah. Scrabble, it's the thing, but, exactly. uh, but I don't. So if you're getting, <laughs> if you're getting me in a secret Santa, don't buy me a word game. Don't get Tiff a word game. Although Letter Tycoon is great. That's what I've heard. Not going to try it. <laughs> All right. So let's move along the uh, the difficulty track here. Let's go with gateway games for your, your gamery friends or maybe people just entering the hobby. Yeah. So I picked New York 1901. Why did I not think of this? I'm <laughs> awful at this, Tiff. That's a great pick. Um, yeah, I, I like it. And it's not too terrible, difficult 
to explain and yeah. everything's kind of makes sense thematically and it's a little bit different from your typical gateway game so i like it yeah and the other one i would say is cacao cacao <laughs> <laughs> cacao is so easy and it's just it's th that perfect weight it's more kind of like a filler i almost thought this could work for filler or non-gamer or gateway it's kind of a great versatile little tile laying game that's so, true so those two were mine i those picked two picks. for everything sorry guys i did as well we'll fill the gap maybe dan dan might recommend cacao that seems legit okay so we'll just say that was dan's pick great job. sure <laughs> My gateway, I was thinking about, I was thinking introduction to certain mecha um, mechanics. So my first one is Royals, and it's pretty much, you know, area control in a nutshell. I really like the simplicity of it. It's got the ticket to ride, grabbing cards, and then you play those cards, put your little cubes out. It's not particularly exciting looking. You know, New York 1901's bright and vibrant, so is Cacao. Royals is kind of more subdued, but if you've got a gamer friend, this is an awesome way to get them into area control games and i really like it uh, the other one i had was stockpile so stockpile is a oh. great little entry to you know bidding and share owning so and you're That's a fan a of stockpile one. right tiff oh yeah, yeah. i liked stockpile despite not wanting to like it i liked it <laughs> yeah i thought it was really good and it's gone over well with our less apt gamer friends and things like that so it's super easy the bidding's really easy and um it plays so quick we play it like 45 minutes so i think stockpile is the better gateway choice but i also like royals if you've got someone who's you know a little better off in terms of difficulty they can handle a little bit more so here we go this was the tough one for me euro games yeah what you got, Tiff? <laughs> it was tough for me too because i just had so many that I liked this year and that I would recommend. Um, just because it's on like the tip of my brain right now, uh, yeah. Shakespeare is the one that immediately came to mind. I've just been really enjoying this game. It's, Have it's, you played it since? I bought it. Yeah, yeah. That's so right. I haven't played it since, but I plan to shortly. I'll probably, we have a Panericon coming up, so I'll probably end up teaching that. And generally, if a game is good enough that I'm okay teaching it, that's a good sign. I don't teach okay. games anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so Shakespeare and Broom Service, I really liked this year. Yeah, and so did the rest of the world. Uh, it's just interesting, and the whole um, strong and weak action thing is a nice twist, and yeah, I enjoyed it. So those are the two I'd recommend for Euro games. Yeah. This one, I went back through my list of logged plays, and I didn't play as many Euro games as I thought. I played a bunch, you know, because I, I played 250 different games or something like that. But uh, the ones that stuck out to me immediately was uh, Adventures of Marco Polo. Mm. thought that that was a I really good one. That. Yeah. It plays so quick, and I really like the dice mechanism that's found in it. thought it was pretty clever and, you know, those overpowered player power kind of things. So it's definitely unique and feels familiar very euro feeling game but a whole new puzzle you know a puzzle that you've never encountered in a different game and the other one that i really liked was barony i think barony was underrated uh it's it's an abstract little euro game super easy to play but thinky you know the it's got a puzzle where you're trying to interact with the other players and you know take control of these territories and gather gather points and it's got the unique scoring track so i thought barony was a really really fun game that just didn't get the credit it deserved this year i think that would be a great one to give to someone particularly if they like abstracts um, that that one stood out and it's matigo so it's got awesome components so my wheelhouse thematic games how'd you do tiff uh 
Another hard one, just because I haven't played, just like you haven't played as many Euro games as you thought, I look back to see what thematic games stuck out to me. I really didn't play many this year at all. It was, really? It was kind of slim pickings. Um, and I haven't bought many either. Most of the games I've bought this year are straight up Euro games or yeah. kids games. So <laughs> uh, if Monster Tort counts as thematic. <laughs> hmm. Sure. It's very immersive. So I'll take it. Uh, no, I, the one I picked was Legendary Encounters. And this could count oh, for yeah. the Aliens or the Predator version. I like the Aliens version. Um, but both are available and you can combine them. So how yeah. thematic can that get it's awesome <laughs> you can play the worst movies of the series totally alien vs predator yuck solid was that your only one you only had one for the that is the only one that i only yeah. have one for mm. that's okay that's a good pick i for whatever reason you know i like that our, our lists are so different because i didn't think about that one i immediately jumped to forbidden stars if you have a friend who you really like <laughs> and you're willing to spend 70 to to $100 on them. Forbidden Stars is a really nice thematic experience, you know, kind of this epic big space battle game and components and plastic out the wazoo. It's a really great one, uh, especially if you like 40K. And the other one that I had was Pandemic Legacy because I'm riding the Pandemic Legacy high, and I think that this is an awesome game, particularly if you have a friend who likes Pandemic who hasn't picked it up. They would be very excited to have this under their tree. This would be a great game to send to you, Tiff. <laughs> it would be because I'm never going to buy. This is the one game I've announced several times that I'm not going to buy. Um, <laughs> I just can't bring myself to do it. I don't know about this whole legacy business and if I could handle tearing up my own game that I bought with my own money. <laughs> so I would love to get this for you. My concern would be, do you have you know a group of players that you can play with it? Would you get the full 20 plays out of it? Well, it's funny you mentioned this because I was thinking maybe I might buy it for my buddy Justin in order to get it yeah. played. Uh, he he likes Pandemic, and we've played it as a group before. And when we first started gaming, Pandemic was my jam. So uh, yeah, I yeah. think it's something he could be into. And I have a couple other people around that we could probably get a campaign going if I tried really hard to stay on schedule. It's usually my fault why we don't play games anymore, just because it's concerts tough. and school obligations. But yeah. It's worth it. Okay. Well... <laughs> I, I, I'm more and more going to the side of I, I actually do want to try it. I've just heard too many people rave, and I love Pandemic a lot. So You're welcome to Skype in and watch one of our sessions if you want, like, the seventh game spoiled for you. <laughs> so <laughs> Okay. If you just want to watch it happen, you're more than welcome to, to visit and take a look. <laughs> All right. So, I would do that. Uh, our next category, this was the year of decent party games. Wasn't was it? it? So, oh, I don't know. I mean, there were there were a couple hot party games. I think that everyone can probably know what we're going to say. But what did you have on your list? So I was trying to avoid those hot party games, A, yeah. because I really hate one of them. And... <laughs> <laughs> or I had a bad time with one of them. And uh, and everybody's just going to say these. So uh, I picked Mafia de Cuba. Okay. Just, cool. be just because it's a little different twist on kind of those social 
kind of deduction bluffing type of games and it has really cool components and the way that works is mm-hmm. neat i played it at at gen con and it's not my 100 percent cup of tea but it's definitely there's a lot of merit in it and it's yeah. good so uh if you know people that like that sort of game i would highly recommend it and it has mm-hmm. an expansion out now so you can even expand it from there cool um i consider dexterity games party games yeah it's fair uh, just because when I am playing, when when we have the need for a party game, and I put that in air quotes, you can't see that, but it, I usually pull out dexterity games. So I would say mm-hmm. Flick 'em Up is one that you should play with a bunch of people in your party atmosphere. Yeah, you can play up to 10 people. Yeah. You each take a cowboy. So it works perfectly in that regard. I haven't played it nearly enough to justify the cost, but Neither it's have I. a neat game and... <laughs> You would, I think you'd have a hard time if you got it out and people saw it, they would want to try it. Yeah. So. Did you see the expansion? I put that on my Christmas list. I have that on my Christmas list as well. <laughs> it's got horses. I know. And lassos. Lassos. And a little ramp where if you shoot someone off the horse, you flick your bullet up the ramp at them. I really want it. <laughs> it looks and awesome. If, you, if you're listening out there, I'm not going to buy it. <laughs> hint. <laughs> hint. <laughs> Friends of Firm. Tiff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so my party games, I I also tried to skirt the big ones. I mean, the, the big one was Spyfall, and then the big one was Codenames. I couldn't skirt Codenames. I really couldn't. If I'm making an honest suggestion, Codenames has to be on your list. We just bought it for Kel to send um, across the country to one of her friends who doesn't game a lot. Yeah. Uh, and I thought, you know, she thought had the good idea, and I agreed that Codenames is just a great game to send to anybody, anybody who's into it. I like it, too. And I bought it, so it's good. It's TIFF approved. It's a TIFF approved party game. <laughs> Must have. Uh, the other one that I picked, so I, I stayed away from Spyfall. I went with Antidote, which was oh. a Kickstarter uh, that fulfilled this past year. And we got sent a copy of it. And it plays up to six, might even play up to eight. And when we got this, this is was Kel's favorite game for a while. And we played it nonstop. It's a deduction game. It doesn't feel, it's not a social game, really. Uh, it's not hugely like party-ish, like something like a werewolf or something like that. But it's a thinky party game. You know, you've got your cards, you're trying to deduce what the antidote is, and uh, it plays a big group. So I really liked Antidote. And I think that's one that went under the radar a little bit. Definitely want to check out small box good to hear i have that on my watch list but never picked it up it's good it's good you got to have the right number of people i mean Mm. you got to have at least you know probably four i could do that five people yeah but it's good we really like it and so we've got one more category and that is our wild card category that can be you know a game that you didn't put elsewhere or something that doesn't really fit so what are you thinking for wild card tiff now these games would probably fit elsewhere but i just i don't know i really like pandemic the cure a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, don't forget about that. Everybody's obsessed with Pandemic Legacy now, but I think Pandemic The Cure is a really uh, pared down kind of condensed version of Pandemic that's maybe a, even a little bit easier to get played. Yeah. So yeah. Pandemic The Cure is one that I've played more than once this year, so <laughs> you know it's good. Yep. And uh, another one that falls in the same care- category is Isle of Sky. Uh-huh, yeah. I just love this game. I I would play it over and over and over again and indeed have played it Yeah, more than Those are good picks. five times. Really? Mm-hmm. Moving on up there to <laughs> playing old games at this point. It's weird. 
Yeah. But yeah. Sky is fun. It's not my favorite, but you know, who am I to Debbie down? I think that it is a good game and it's really interesting, especially with the rotating scoring. Yeah. Uh, Pandemic the Cure is great. I, you know, it's one of those games that gets overshadowed when you start, you don't tear up any dice or cards or anything in it. So you don't have to destroy the game to enjoy it. That's probably why I like it so much. So, <laughs> well, my first wild card slot, you actually stole Tiff. What? Flick em up. Flick em up is an awesome game. Uh, play it at a party, play it with just two people. Steve and I periscoped it. It was great. Uh, but once again, haven't played it enough to justify the price. It is a pricey little game. Uh, but wow, a lot of good wooden components comes in a nice wooden box. It's a great production value and it's a super fun game. If you like dexterity games, you know, everyone's chatting about catacombs these days, which also looks really good. And, you know, this is, uh, this is right up there in terms of high quality, dexterity games that are a bit more than just your average there's a game that should have went on dan's must playlist top of the stack is catacombs he has it's probably it. true he does have it and i want to play it so i should have put it on there now dan he has got four a fourth games. game <laughs> catacombs i'm writing it down excellent so mike remember that fourth game when you add that to our bgg guild thank you appreciate it uh my other wild card slot tiff what else could it be it's gotta be time stories Oh, man. It's got to be Time Stories. Why wouldn't it be Time Stories? Because Joel Eddy thinks it sucks. Joel Eddy does think that it's not much fun. And he and I will agree to disagree because this is the perfect gift game because no one wants to buy it for themselves. (laughs) That's true. This is the perfect game to say, I love you, friend. Here's an amazing game that is way overpriced and you would never buy for yourself. (laughs) That is very true. It's perfect. I'm glad that there's someone out there that will justify my opinion that I don't need to buy this. Thanks, Joel Eddie. That's the gift that keeps on giving. Justifying your crazy thoughts. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds awful. Don't listen to Tiff, people. (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. That's a really good one. If you really care about someone, you would get them that so they can try it and not have to pay the ridiculous price of it. And then you can play it with them. Yeah, and you can trade your like expansions. Yeah. yeah. See, it's like it's like a gateway drug. <laughs> you give it to them and then they'll buy expansions and then you don't have to buy expansions. It's a gift that gives back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Okay. I like it. And bam, that's a holiday buying guide. We provided a lot of options. <laughs> yeah, I mean, pretty much 2015 was full of awesome games, plenty of things to buy for every person style preference lots of good things out there and those are recommendations so that is also going to wrap up the podcast episode 35 we've been doing way too many of these tiff (laughs) no 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 let's do more okay okay uh so thank you all for joining us if you ever want to reach out to us remember you can always do so by searching for the league of nonsensical gamers on facebook you can shoot us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com you can join us on the bgg guild number 2077 or go to guild dot nonsensicalgamers.com and join the conversation over there tell us what you would buy for friends or maybe what's on your top of the stack for december it's going to be a big month if you enjoy the show we would appreciate reviews on itunes and stitcher or hearts on board game links they help the show get noticed and give us precious feedback that we can use to make the show better for you all and of course the best way to find us is by hitting us up on twitter directly so tiff if they wanted to find you where can they do that I am at inept gamer. At inept gamer. All right. You can find Dan and the league at the handle at league nonsense or at scandalous underscore nad. And you can find me. What? What? No, my computer's shutting down again. Save. It's black screened. 
No. <laughs> oh no. I don't want to do this again. It's perfect the way it is. <laughs>